Before we start the show, I have a huge favor to ask you. I promise you it'll take two minutes to do. I'm taking a punt and getting everyone I know to vote for the Psychocinematic Podcast in the Listener's Choice category of the Australian Podcast Awards. Your vote would mean everything to me. So, open your browser right now. Oh, wait. Go to AustralianPodcastAwards.com. Click on the Listener's Choice Awards Vote Now link. Search for Psychocinematic, spelled P-S-Y-C-H-O-C-I-N-E-M-A-T-I-C. Click on the first option and submit. Check your email, including your spam, because to make your vote count, it'll ask you to verify it there. You are all sweet, gorgeous angels, and I'm just so thankful to have an audience who listens and enjoys this podcast. I love you all to the moon and back. Okay, here's the episode. There's a common phrase that gets used in a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies um, of did I stutter? Oh my gosh, Um, yes. Everyone in the stuttering community will tell you that we hate that statement so much. Welcome to Psychocinematic, a podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular films and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fornasia. If you love our podcast and want to give us some support, make sure you're following Psychocinematic Podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And check out our website, psychocinematicpodcast.com. For access to special bonus content, episodes, early access, stickers and contribute to our regular fundraisers, join our Patreon. Starting from $3.50 a month, you can be the coolest Psychocinematic listener there is. So I'd like to start the podcast today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast on today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and recognise that we are, I I am currently standing, sitting on stolen land. Um, And I have my wonderful guest today, Priya from Stutter Conversation Podcast. Welcome to Psychocinematic Priya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you and yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm in enamored of you because you are in year 12 and you uh, have had the Starter Podcast for some time now, uh, which is an incredible achievement. And also you you also have an advocacy page um, called Starter Conversation as well. So I don't know how you do it all because year 12 was full on from my memory. <laughs> Tell me how you started your page. Yeah. Um, So my name is Priya. I'm 17 years old and I have a stutter. Um, I kind of started this page when I was 15 and I think it was just kind of like an on the whim kind of thing. I had just, I, I, I think I was in like year 10 break and I was on my sister's bed, like just randomly thinking of what to do. Uh, and I remember scrolling through Instagram and looking up like stuttering pages and I never really found a page. I mean, there are so many amazing pages out there um but I think at the point that I was in I kind of was looking for something that um kind of spoke to the teenage experience I guess Mm -hmm. and something that I could relate to um in kind of the situation that I was in and where I was at in my stuttering journey um and so then I was kind of like oh wait I mean why don't I just start one then I think that's like something interesting um 
I mean, I love Instagram, so I was like, it should be fine. <laughs> um, and then, Fantastic. yeah, I just kind of, yeah, it just kind of happened. And then my sister actually was the one that came up with the name. And then I think from then it's just kind of like taken over. And I think I'm I'm still in this state of like, I don't know what's happening. Like it's, it's kind of just grown suddenly. And mm. yeah, I think I'm really like grateful that this has all happened and I've met amazing people. And I think it's also helped me in my stuttering journey as well which is really cool that's wonderful and that's so it's awesome to see like where the gaps are with um because yeah like you said there's lots of advocacy um awareness pages on instagram Mm -hmm. but there's there's a lot of ones sort of targeting adults or a particular cohort and it's great having a teenage page that's also run by a teenager as well (laughs) because i think that comes across so much more authentically and um, can mm. be really important for lots of teenagers wanting, um, yeah, some support. And, yeah, it's yeah. so fantastic that it's grown so much. It must be a lot of yeah. work <laughs> to maintain when you've got so much <laughs> else going on. It definitely is sometimes. But I think for me it's kind of like a good escape in a way. So after mm. I'm getting through all my studying, which is a lot, it's a kind of a good break. And I think it's probably taking up a bit more of my time than I probably should be studying, but <laughs> I but mean, it's, it's okay. It's something so positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm always like thinking of how to do more and how to expand it more. And um, I definitely should be thinking more about <laughs> my school than anything else, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Most teenagers are in that boat. <laughs> True. Tell me how the podcast came about as well. Yeah, I think even that one was a bit on a whim. So I had so I yeah, I had started the page, I think it had been about six months, and um I was invited onto another stuttering podcast. Um and he we yeah, it was just quite, it was my first ever podcast and at first I wasn't quite sure. Um but I just yeah, we we started talking and after the podcast he was like, um, you know, there's not a single podcast out there that is run by a teenager that talks about stuttering from the perspective of a teenager Mm. and again I was like oh that's actually quite interesting and I think at first I was a bit like oh I mean I don't know what I don't know anything about podcasting I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to go well um and yeah I think it just kind of again I was like you know what like I'll just I'll just see what happens and kind of go for it and then yeah again it just kind of flourished and I think it's also interesting I've been able to talk to so many amazing people and they've also um have come and said like you know the page is really great and I'm always like uh, I mean I think I also have like imposter syndrome where I'm like I don't know if I'm the right person (laughs) to be doing this (laughs) yeah but I think it's really cool that like the podcast is a place for people I mean a a lot of the time a lot of people come and find me and ask me if they want to be on the podcast which I seem like that's really it's really amazing to see that people are wanting to um share their story um I think the podcast is a great place to just give yeah people that voice as well so I think it's all very on the whim for me That's so good. And yeah, I, I love your podcast. I think for someone so so young, I sound really ageist, but um, no. <laughs> who's, you know, quite new in this space. And, you know, I'm, I didn't know much about podcasting when I started as well, but it mm-hmm. sounds so good. Um, you're such a great interviewer and um, you really make it a very safe space for people to share. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, their stories and um, create that awareness. So, mm. yeah, it's fantastic. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> 
So for today, would you mind, I guess, to start with telling me a little bit about um, sort of your history uh, with stuttering and your experience uh, when you were, when it started becoming prominent and all of, all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I, I think it was actually my um, preschool teacher that picked up that I had a stutter. Um, uh, yeah, so I would have been, I think, four or five. And she was the one that went and told my pa- my parents that I had a stutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom was like, because in my family, I do have, we do have a history of stutter that stuttering that runs in the family. So oh, yeah. I think for my mom, it just kind of, I guess, kind of made sense in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, it, like, it was never made into a huge thing or anything, but yeah, when we found out, she, we went to a stuttering clinic mm-hmm. um, and I did a year of stuttering um, of speech therapy there. Um, and then I stopped for a bit. And I think, I think because, you know, when, when you're in primary school, you're so like, you're so young, you're just trying to get through, you know, meeting new friends and everything is just so much fun. So I never really noticed I had a stutter um, mm, or never, mm. I don't think it really bothered me. My mom used to say that I used to come home sometimes and ask her um, or tell her that some people were asking about why I speak like that or um, things like that. But I think for me, I just never really noticed. I think I'm a bit oblivious to mm. everything. So <laughs> I don't think, yeah, it never really bothered me. Um, I think, I think, yeah, until I got to high school um, and then year seven is kind of where it all started again. And yeah, it was 20, uh, I think 2016 when I started speech therapy again. And I did that for about four years. I did the whole, um, it, it was like a whole course or a whole mm-hmm. program. Um, and then, yeah, 2020 um, was, yeah, obviously COVID year. And I think I had mm-hmm. semi relapsed again, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't go back to therapy since then. So yeah, it's been, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's been a really interesting journey, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of only bothered me since I started high school and that's when it all kind of kicked off for me. Yeah, and high yeah. school's a very um, fraught year with yeah. um, trying to fit in and make friends and um, exactly. yeah, all of those things that come with it. What yeah. was what was the therapy process like? I guess what was the goal of the speech therapy and what kind of things did you do? Yeah, so when I was – so my first year of speech therapy when I was five, I think it fo- he, she was focusing more on trying to bring down the stuttering severity Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously when you're so young, it's usually just games and, um, puzzles and all that kind of things. And sh- she was just counting, um, how many stutters I had and yeah, kind of going like that. Um, and then in, when I started back up again, I did the whole program. It was called the Lidcombe program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that program I think was, I mean, I, I don't know if, I, <laughs> if I'm correct or not, but we focused a bit more again on, um, yes, the severity of it. So I think when I was, when I had started back, I was rating myself to be more of a six. And then when mm-hmm. I finished, I was down to a zero. So it had progressively, um, I think helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it was more, I guess, fluency based in a way, but mm-hmm. um, I had switched over a speech therapist and she was yeah really great. And we talked a lot about how I wanted to, like how I could take the most out of stuttering therapy and what I wanted from each session. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this was during high school. So my main 
concern was just more about fitting in, I guess. Um, and so we did a lot of um, it was more just speaking so I would go in for 45 minutes and we she would just talk to me sometimes we'd play games but she just wanted to give me as many tools as I needed for um, yeah high school so we did presentation work and um, I would practice yeah speaking to her and all of that so I think when you get a lot older the therapy changes from mm. more fluency based to um I guess support and mental health because mental health is a big factor of stuttering so yeah for sure um yeah that's kind of how it was for me and yeah I think I really gained a lot from it and I think Mm -hmm. as I got older I kind of understood stuttering more um from my therapist which was really helpful fantastic um so what like what from your understanding like why why does stuttering occur what do we know what causes it and you know some of the processes behind it Mm. so stuttering is one of those things that no one knows the cause for and there's so much research behind it but it's kind of an unknown thing that happens there's a lot of research around genetics so it Mm -hmm. can it is a hereditary thing um and so I've spoken to some people who yeah do have some like sometimes their whole family stutters um sometimes it's a distant relative like for me I have a cousin that stutters and that's kind of it for me I guess or maybe Mm. my grandfather but yeah I think it changes from person to person sometimes it can just happen my sister's actually a speech therapist so um yeah (laughs) very handy um but yeah so sometimes stuttering can just appear one time so I know she had a kid that stuttering just appeared when they were like they came back from school and suddenly he had a stutter so Mm. it's kind of yeah it's a very unknown thing I think for a lot of people that's probably the hardest factor I guess understanding that it can just appear and it may never leave mm-hmm. um yeah so and it could be as a result of like a traumatic experience or anything like that but yeah it's just very it can just kind of appear sometimes it just can be very annoying <laughs> mm. and if you don't mind um sharing and feel free to share as much as you like how, how was the impact on your mental health um mm. particularly as you know it went away for a while and then it came back um during mm. um high school and yeah how did that sort of affect you yeah I think I've I think mental health is a really important thing for me and I think that's why I'm so big on mental health on my stuttering page because a a lot of the time stuttering can impact things like anxiety social anxiety and all of that and that's something that I do um, struggle with is anxiety Mm. Um, and I think that has stemmed from my stutter and that like feeling of like guilt and shame and embarrassment to stutter in front of people um yeah so that's been really big for me um and yeah I think as I got older I kind of didn't really understand what was I guess happening and that did affect a lot of the time um yeah my mental health um so yeah it's been a bit of a a bit of a struggle with stuttering um and because of that yeah it had stemmed off into a few mental health issues um Mm. So, but I think it's important and I think a lot of teens do struggle with it. Um, and even going to school, a school can be a stressful place for many people besides yes, the fact totally. someone has a stutter. Mm-hmm. So um, I think stuttering just kind of elevates those levels of stress in a way and can make the, yeah, the teenage experience a bit more challenging. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think it's been a struggle, but 
I think having this page has helped me understand myself as well and then if I ever have needed to ask questions or seek support then I've been able to do that which is really cool so yeah yeah what what sort of things have helped you in managing your anxiety around Mm -hmm. stuttering and um, some of that confidence and things that you mentioned yeah I mean I still struggle with it and I think I don't really sometimes I probably don't use it in the best of yeah I don't yeah, I think sometimes I bottle it in, which is not good. But um, I find a lot of the time helps is like speaking to people. So family members, um, yeah, even journaling I found to be really useful, just being able to write down all my experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think probably what's been the biggest thing is trying to channel that stress into something that's a bit more positive. Um, and I think that for me was the Instagram page. So mm-hmm. Um, and I, because it is such a, I think, relatable experience for many other teens who stutter, they have been able to, we've been able to kind of talk to each other in a way. Um, and I know a, a teen actually reached out to me a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, we've just been talking about like all these sort of experience that we had. And I think that's been really helpful for me as well to understand that, like, I think I find, I mean, stuttering is a, a very isolating experience, mm-hmm. but to be yeah. able to talk to another teen that's dealing with similar situations has been really, I think, yeah, relaxing in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's feeling heard and seen. Yeah, exactly. And to know that, like, it, Mike's feelings aren't, aren't invalid, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's such strength in having that sort of community connection, um, whether yeah. it's online or face-to-face. It's exactly. All of it is so helpful and important. Mm. Yeah, That's- it's been a huge, a huge thing. <laughs> is it all right if we talk a little bit about some of the depictions of stuttering in the media that you've seen and... Mm-hmm. Good examples and also some maybe not so good examples. Yeah, yeah. So the biggest ones I've seen would be movies and TV shows. Um, And I've also seen a lot on Instagram, actually. Um, Mm. I send my sister some of these reels that I find and some of them are really quite like terrible so for example someone might be like oh um how many times do you stutter in a conversation or something but and if they're to portray that experience they wouldn't even stutter at all so Mm -hmm. the first thing would be like the misunderstanding of what a stutter is I think a lot of people will be like oh I have a stutter but I think everyone stumbles on their words, but stumbling Mm -hmm. and stuttering are two very different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be, yeah, the first thing. Um, A lot of TV shows I've noticed have portrayed stuttering. So I'm I'm in the process of watching Bridgerton right now. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw Um, on your um, Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Remind me, because it's been a while since I've seen it, who's the character that stutters on Bridgerton? Yeah, so Simon, um, the uh, he's the Duke. So oh, he, when course, he was a yes. child, yeah, yeah. So when he was a child, and I, I hadn't, I didn't even know. I was just watching, and I was like, oh, hey, he's got a stutter. Um, but and I think that one's a bit of a more trickier one because it is set in like olden day, I guess, 
It's sort of a, like a, a different olden day than, <laughs> than what yeah. we know. It's like an alternate universe. Yeah, there's that layer of fantasy as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he he has a stutter and the way it was portrayed was um, his father never, because he couldn't speak and he used to always say, you can't speak, um, he kind of banished him in a way mm-hmm. um, and didn't, because of his stutter, he wasn't fit for the role of the Duke. If mm-hmm. you know I mean. yep. um, and that's a very, yeah, common, um, I think, experience that a lot of like that generation saw is that stuttering made you weak. And it also didn't make you suitable for like battle, I guess, um, mm-hmm. as well. So it was like that whole thing. And I think like I think there's a positive and negative to that to that depiction as well and the first thing would be um it put stuttering like it started creating conversations about stuttering yeah um which is like just from the like it's great whether it be positive or negative I think it first put stuttering out um and it and it's such a huge tv show as well so that's even better (laughs) yeah exactly um but I think it also showed the like the shift in how stuttering was seen then and how it's seen now mm. um as well so that was also really interesting to see as well yeah um, and I guess I think yeah. for that sort of time and probably for a, lots of time after that period of time um mm. disability in general or um, being different yeah. uh, and mm. that impacting on your communication or whatever it might be was very much mm. like not accepted as a as a rule so it, exactly. I guess it's within the context that that's would have been the the outcome of him stuttering yeah exactly and I think it also was like like you were saying disability was also like not really seen I think it also in a way made them seen that they were damaged and they yeah. weren't able to like fulfill their duties or their yeah. roles especially for men as well so yeah, yeah for sure there's all that societal <laughs> expectation and yeah value of what you can do yeah Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And does he get treatment in Bridgerton or, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then there was the lady that um, kind of took her, took him under his wing, took, her, oh, took yes. him under her wing. Um, and I can't, I don't think they ever really spoke about where, where, if he got um, therapy, but I think it just kind of like they never really they only showed it in like flashbacks mm-hmm. um, and it was more in like the terms of him being like not good enough. I think yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So. so that sort of impression. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, there's a lot of depictions of Bridgerton that mm. could be talked about. And that's a, I'm glad you yeah. brought that one up because it's one of those <laughs> things that it's not a huge plot point, but it's it's mm. very much there. Yeah, and it kind of makes up his character in a way and like the yeah. story as well. So Yep, definitely. Um, what other TV shows did you have in mind? So the other TV show that I saw was, I don't know if you know Elite, the um, no. Spanish Netflix show. Oh, okay. I think I might have seen mm. – something about it but yeah 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 so there's a character on there that um he stutters and I don't want to spoil anything but he ends (laughs) up having like a not so great ending but um his depiction is one that's seen with a lot of people that have a stutter in tv shows and it made him um weak and made him like he was like this shy kind of character people didn't really understand him Mm. um 
that kind yeah it was it was sort of under those lines mm-hmm. um and yeah that's a very known depiction of stuttering yeah. um and i think that also affected the way his character or the way his character like not ended but the way his character was built mm-hmm. um as well and as the story went on so yeah that was another tv show depiction i remember like seeing as well um mm-hmm. i remember there were a few other movies i remember so yeah professor quirrell from harry potter is probably yes. a big one <laughs> yeah and that's i feel like that one is definitely like he um is very weak and very mm. meek and uh, doesn't have a lot of power or strength yeah um and it's almost like a character trait to sh- convey that about him yeah exactly and the fact that he kind of was like part of Voldemort so yeah he was this odd kind of character no one really it, yeah he was just kind of there in a way and then he ended up becoming like a villain so yeah it's again a very like common depiction of the way stuttering is and we all know yeah. that's not the case so it hits that sort of stuttering as weak trope but also a villain who stutters yeah trope. yeah exactly yeah. it's kind of like a double common. whammy <laughs> yeah there's also one more movie that I remember seeing. I don't know if you've seen the movie Little. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's actually, it's a funny, it's a funny movie. But there's a little, it's a, um, yeah, when they go back in time to when she's like a little kid, there's a little boy on there that has a stutter, um, and. I, I can't remember what the joke was, but they I remember they are making some kind of comment about it and it was kind of like a backhanded comment towards him and his character. Um, so that was, yeah, another... Sounds like a similar sort of trope as well. Mm, exactly. I was having a think about what I'd seen as well, if you don't mind mm. me sharing. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know if you've seen Primal Fear. No. Which we, we covered briefly in our um, Dissociative Identity Disorder episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the film and, and yourself, sorry, Priya. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but Edward Norton's character um, basically pretends that he has Dissociative Identity Disorder in order to um, mm-hmm. get off from a murder charge. And he his the personality oh. that he makes up stutters, which – I think he tries to seem innocent by being a stutterer and someone who wouldn't have this mentality to actually murder. And then, you know, the the other personality is is the person who murdered him. So he gets that insanity plea. Oh, yeah. So there's a few tropes there, not only that um, stuttering equals someone who's weak or meek, but also um, that intelligence as well because, you know, he's seen as a lot less savvy intelligent sort of character and I was reading in preparation for today that there was that mentality that people who stutter have a lower IQ or a lower um, intelligence level traditionally Mm. not just in films but also just that's what society thought at the time which is absolutely untrue yeah so the fact that he like puts on the stutter is actually quite to me Mm. offensive as well for people who stutter. yeah absolutely and I think the other point that you made as well was yeah the IQ and that's also another um like misconception about stuttering is that people with a stutter are not as smart because they can't I guess speak quotes in quotation marks um and again that's something that we know is not true um so yeah I think that's also yeah like you said a common a common depiction as well as stuttering is makes or equals like being on smart or being yeah Yeah, definitely I guess it comes with lots of other um disabilities that particularly that involve communication um 
often people mm. with autism who were nonverbal were seen as mm. you know, not having a high IQ, which is just absolutely not related at all. So, yeah, it's very common. The other movie I just wanted to mention is One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which we mm-hmm. covered way, way back when we started the podcast. But there's a character there called Billy Bibbit who has a very tragic okay. ending. I won't spoil. I mean, it's not a – he's just one of many characters. But, you know, he's in a psychiatric hospital. He's um, mm. has a bit of a tragic ending. There's no diagnosis mentioned of him, so it sort of mm. alludes to is he in the um, – uh, there's some other stuff that we find out about him, but stuttering maybe being part of his psychiatric diagnosis. Um, it sort of equates stuttering with – a psychiatric condition which is again also completely Mm. untrue so yeah I just thought that was an interesting depiction and that was released in the 70s so that was probably one of the few um, depictions of stuttering that were in movies at the time Mm. yeah and I guess another thing I just reflect on is stuttering being used in a comedic sense as well like I remember in Billy Madison and the kid in Big Daddy who stutters in Superstar, there's a character who stutters, but he just repeats words five times, which is not stuttering. Oh. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> silly film. <laughs> yeah. Have you come across many sort of, you know, in those kind of very silly comedic films, stuttering being used as like, that's a silly character or that's a comic relief sort of character? Um, I don't think so I, I there's a common phrase that gets used in a lot of um tv shows and a lot of movies um of did i stutter oh um, my gosh and yes. that's like in, it's in everything yeah, yeah that's a super it's everything yeah the office um mm. I can't, there's another one that i've seen um oh 10 things i hate about you uh, um yeah, yeah. yeah so that's another huge like really irritating and like annoying comment that we get so often and i mean everyone in the stuttering community will tell you that we hate that statement so much um because it yeah Fair again enough, it puts yeah. like a negative connotation on stuttering and everyone and when you say it is like oh so if you can't say something without stuttering then what you have to say isn't going to be as powerful Mm. or to that kind of effect which again is not true in any sort of sense but yeah I, I yeah I haven't really seen much that the character who stutters is like a comic I guess belief but Mm. that would be an interesting keep in mind (laughs) yeah and I guess you know there's no there's no real need in going to look for for it because generally (laughs) it's an offensive use of stuttering yeah exactly and yeah I I think a lot of those particularly those kind of 90s comedies uh Farrelly Brothers comedies they loved using disability as as comedy so Mm. yeah it's just part of that sort of canon I guess which is not that's good. true <laughs> no yeah i think it's also big generation as well absolutely yeah for sure have you come across any media at all where a, an actor who stutters is actually um playing the role or, or do we know of any prolific actors who have shared that they have a stutter yeah so I don't think that I haven't seen any um actors that have a stutter that play a character that has a stutter but there are quite a few um yeah actors and actresses that do have a stutter so big one is Emily Blunt um she yeah she's come out and she's part of like the big organization in America she's like one of the 
I think, board members. She's a huge advocate for stuttering. Samuel L. Jackson has it or had a stutter. Um, Ed Sheeran, he's not an actor, but Ed Sheeran used to have his stutter. Um, Marilyn Monroe, um, people have said wow. that yes, she also used to have a stutter. Um, I think someone said Mr. Bean as well, which was interesting. Oh, cool. Um, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, who else? Chris Martin from Coldplay. Again, he's a music singer, but yeah, he used to have, to have a stutter. Um, some football players as well um, have also said they've had a stutter. So there's been quite a few yeah, people in the media that have said it. But I think also what we haven't seen is someone, I think a lot of the actors and actresses that do stutter um, have kind of, I guess, overcome their stutter, mm-hmm. which is, we shouldn't say overcoming stutter, but um, that's kind of always the, I guess, portrayal of it is that they used to have a stutter and then, I guess, you know. So I don't think we've mm. seen anyone that has a stutter that continues to stutter in the media. Um, yeah. So that would be a really important i guess what's the word <laughs> like i think that that mm. to, to see that Pres- yeah. yes that's a good representation <laughs> um to see that especially for young people now you know social media and televisions and television movies and tvs um tv shows are so big right now um yes. and i think for another for kids to grow up to know that stuttering is okay they need to be able to see someone that accurately portrays them in the media Mm. um as well so I think that's yeah and that's something that I'm really passionate about as well is to get more accurate representation of stuttering in the media because it's so important as well yeah and I think that's that's a really good point because it's really nice to hear that so many actors and actresses and people in the media have have stuttered or used to used to stutter Mm. and it's great to have that awareness but it's kind of comes with a bit of a message that if like you need to overcome that stutter and not actually overtly stutter Mm. in order to make it sort of in the world um exactly so to actually see someone in that role you know demonstrate that they do still stutter would be such a powerful message exactly and a message that also doesn't have like an added message on it that it's like a terrible thing to have a stutter or mm-hmm. um like I think the representation it needs to be accurate and it needs to not be a huge made into like a huge kind of thing it just there's just a character that stutters and that would be so cool to see yeah and, and it's yeah, not a storyline they just happen to stutter yeah mm-hmm. exactly exactly because that's that's what we know that's like what happens in society so like why can't that be shown I guess (laughs) yeah when I was doing a little bit of research too for today like I came across Mm. there seems to be like two schools of thought in stuttering foundations a little bit like lots of Mm -hmm. disabilities one being focusing on Mm. trying to cure and get rid of the stutter and Mm. have full fluency Mm. and the other Mm. um camp being sort of more just managing and supporting and living with Mm. um stuttering and just doing what you want, uh, getting what you want out of life while having stu- having a stutter. What, what are your – am I correct in that too because I've only done a little bit of research? Yeah. Um, and what are your thoughts about those sort of two camps? Yeah, I mean that's – yeah, it's very true right now and there's a huge shift in the community right now that's um, trying to tell people that fluency shouldn't be the main goal of therapy it shouldn't be the main goal in people's head so um, I think right now 
people who stutter, we just want to be able to freely stutter and not feel feel that we need to be ashamed or embarrassed of our stutter. Mm. Um, And I think the main thing that's kind of contributing to that is this need for fluency and the need for everyone to stutter to be to be at like a zero and to not stutter at all. Um, And yeah, I think we're all kind of trying to change. And that's not to say that, you know, speech therapists, their role is, you know, trying to achieve fluency um but I think it's more listening to the experiences of people who stutter and trying to see what we want out of Mm. the therapy and what our goal is to to be so that we can feel comfortable so yeah there definitely is a huge and yeah it also is a curative thing and I think the other thing is people don't also because there is no cause and there is kind of no cure for stuttering that's also a big thing so people always you know I think for anything people always trying to find a cure for it mm. but I think for people who stutter we know that there isn't isn't a cure and I think for a lot of us it's about feeling comfortable in like ourselves and our communication and mm. um yeah so I think it's a, it is a big movement right now, shifting everyone's like perspectives and ideas on stuttering, um, and just kind of telling people, like telling and educating and bringing awareness that it's okay to stutter and it's okay if you do stutter, but it's also okay to not be fluent as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think they like 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 there's the whole movement around. Um, autism and neurodiverge, neurodivergence, because there is a huge shift with that. I think there yeah. is also a huge shift in the stuttering community as well. So, yeah, it's more just society being like accepting of everyone's like uniqueness and not having to achieve like perfection, I guess if you want to call it. Yeah. And that sounds like a much more sustainable way to be and mm. and also looking at it less of the person who needs to change and fit in with society, but society yeah. being more inclusive and um, accepting of people with all their different needs and quirks and traits. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's a big movement and I think it does need to happen for everyone to be to feel comfortable and for there not to be any sort of yeah negativity around it because you know it's something that we can't control and we can't control how the way we speak and we can't control if we do have a stutter so why should we have to I guess change for everyone else to accept us so. 100% totally we might talk about the king's speech as because it really is one of the bigger, probably the big movie um, where stuttering is featured mm. and it was super duper popular. It won Oscars. Um, mm. It was it was uh, released in 2010 and it was directed by Tom Hooper, oh, wow. who I just found out did Cats, the, that remake, which everyone hated, but <laughs> we'll forgive him because yeah. this was a better film. Yes. And it was written by David Seedler, who himself had a stutter as well or a stammer because I think he oh. was British and I think they, they call it stammer yeah. in um, England. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's one of those few films that was actually written. It was written as a play and then um, developed as the movie where the person writing and putting those experiences in has that lived experience. So that's fantastic. Mm. 
And, of course, it was about the uh, Prince Albert, Duke of York, who goes on to become the king, who had a stutter in real life. So, yeah, I thought we might have a little bit of a chat about that. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Great. I might start with the plot. Um, I won't go too deeply into it because if people don't know the story, they can watch The Crown as well as mm-hmm. <laughs> um, look it up because there's lots of political and mm. historical things that are going on, which we won't focus on for the purposes of today. But mm-hmm. essentially 1930s England, um, Prince Albert is the second son of King George V and he has a strong stammer or stutter. His search for treatment has been discouraging, but his wife Elizabeth persuades him to see the Australian-born Lionel Logue played by Geoffrey Rush. And also, sorry, Colin Firth plays uh, Prince Albert. So Lionel Logue is a non-medically trained, they call it here, speech defects therapist. Okay. <laughs> That's from Wikipedia. I did not write those words. Um, Betty, <laughs> who um, they call Prince Albert, um, believes that the first session doesn't go well. But Lionel, who insists that all his patients address him as such, has his potential client recite Hamlet's to be or not to be soliloquy while hearing classical music played on a pair of headphones. Bertie is frustrated at the experiment, but Lionel gives him the recording that he has made of the reading as a souvenir. To his surprise, he does not stammer during the speech. He agrees to do more therapy with Lionel. They have lots of ups and downs, but they end up becoming friends. Long story short, King George dies in 1936 and Bertie's brother Edward is to succeed the throne but decides to abdicate in order to marry the divorce Wallace Simpson. So Bertie, who has a lot of self-doubt and has been, you know, not treated as someone who's capable of being king, is very nervous and does not necessarily wish to be king, but he is then um, succeeded to the throne. As the new king, Bertie is in a crisis when he must broadcast to Britain and the empire following the declaration of war on Nazi Germany in 1939. With Lionel Logue in the room, he delivers the speech in full, to Alexander Desplat's award-winning score <laughs> featuring Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. It's a good scene. I like that last scene. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of the plot. And I'll just really skim through lived experience because, as we just said, David Seidler had a stammer. Um, interestingly, he um, believed that his stammer or stutter was caused by the emotional trauma of World War II and the murder of his grandparents during the Holocaust. And I don't want to invalidate David's experiences, but from what you know, Priya, in the science, is there a link between generational or intergenerational trauma and and stuttering from what we know? I think, yeah, I think there is. I think because of all of that, I guess, trauma and the stress and the anxiety of a lot of, I guess, yeah, the of what happened during those events, I think we do know that there there would be a link between um, stuttering and trauma. Um, I guess like that response to all of that would affect like the we talk about like science now. I guess like the brains, like connections and the communication mm-hmm. like pathways. Yeah, um, I would have to probably look into it a bit more to understand it. But I think from Wouldn't what we do know to. that there is. <laughs> yeah <laughs> go research it right now yeah <laughs> um but yeah there is a link between um yeah trauma and stuttering so mm. yeah I feel like that That's would make sense for it to happen yeah it is and I guess in terms of lived experience for that 
actors. Uh, Colin Firth did not have a stutter, um, but it sounds like he worked with a voice coach and also with his sister, who's a professional voice coach, and talked about sort of exercises that they would have done with Logue. And apparently Colin Firth, um, like he watched the King actually, like archival footage of the King speaking to sort of um, pick up on Mm. that. And apparently he struggled to then lose the stammer um, once they finished filming, which is very interesting. Um, He found it a good exercise into what it feels like to have a stutter and you Mm. you just find yourself sort of doing it, he said. So I found that interesting too. So what did you think Mm. of, I guess, firstly, the portrayal of – of stuttering in general and how he was treated um, by his family in that yeah. way. So I remember, so I watched this movie back, I think probably two years ago. And I remember when we watched it, I was one, it was, I had like this immense sort of like excitement to watch a movie that was about stuttering. Um, and everyone, you know, knows of the King that had the King draw that had had a stutter. So the first thing would be that, put stuttering like I said on the map um Mm. and it started conversations about stuttering and you know if someone people were to ask me or have you seen King George or if I would say I have a stutter they'd be like oh then like you know them like like King George in the movie so it was a really good um conversation starter um and another thing that I think was really cool about the portrayal is that it did accurately show the impacts that stuttering had you know King George he he hated public speaking. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. didn't like to do public speaking because he was so ashamed of the way he felt. And when you're in such a position that, you know, the king, like it's a massive responsibility and it is a huge position. And then um, something that's very relatable to a lot of people who stutter. Um, yeah, totally. So that was, yeah, a really positive and accurate representation. And yeah, I think even some of the uh, if I can remember, I think King George's wife kind of, I think she was supportive of the king. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think, and, again, it was during that time of when stuttering was, like, not really accepted or if it was, it was seen as, like, a terrible thing. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it was really important that, yeah, this movie was out because it also started conversations and it was a great way for people to talk about stuttering um in like something that when like a positive light I guess yeah so yeah that was really important and I think it was a good movie for yeah just kind of all the different areas of stuttering to be seen and it, it, in like a huge scale as well and I think you really um sympathized with the king in that mm. he um was not seen as as capable as his brother who you know originally was to be the king and yeah. was kind of treated with a lot of disdain and there's that there was a scene with um his dad who's you know about to um pass away and for mm-hmm. um the way that he talks to um at the time the prince mm-hmm. it's like what, what does he say relax relax when he starts to stutter and it's just like oh. the opposite of relaxing yeah um, yeah yeah and how, you know, that's probably, it sounds like that's pro- probably, you know, only half of what would um, someone in the 30s would be treated if they're, if they're mm. a stutterer. Um, yeah, exactly. And you can see how he's like struggles with feeling that he's capable because he's got such, once he becomes king, he's got such a public facing role and has to <laughs> communicate with everybody. That's like a huge part 
of what mm. a king does and saying, oh, how am I going to do this if I can't? Um, and sort of, I guess, working through those feelings as well. I thought that was a really, um, it was really well portrayed, I thought. Yeah, and I think it was also cool to see it was like he was struggling with two kind of sides. Like he was struggling with trying to fulfill his like kingly duties, but also, yeah, trying to battle like the stutter that, yeah, for one, people thought it was because someone was speaking too quickly or they were nervous or they were stressed, um, mm. which, again, is not the case. Um, and, yeah, like you said, his father telling him to relax and that would only um, – increase the stuttering and make the stutter more severe um yeah. and, but it also invalidates his experiences as well so yeah it, it was interesting to see how he kind of juggled those two experiences yeah for sure yeah how did you find the therapy scenes um I guess the previous therapy like all mm. the different types of things he tries and then you know the therapy with Lionel Logue yeah, um, I remember there was a therapy that they did with with like the marbles, um, yeah. <laughs> and that yeah, that was actually it's a it's a it was a common therapy for stuttering in the, um, like in those generations, like because I can't remember what it was that it actually did or what the marbles would do, but I think it sort of like expanded your mouth and made it a bit more like loose I guess yeah and so I you could like flow <laughs> I think it's yeah I think it was more that because stuttering is, is like it's because of like tension as well so the mm -hmm. marbles would um yeah expand your mouth and make the words I guess um or they tried to make it so that when you spoke it was more like smoother um and so your mouth wasn't so tense um and there's a, a great video by a, a stuttering advocate Mark Winsky who did a video on the marble therapy so that that would be an interesting one to watch as well yeah um, I, I might get you to send that to me so I can put it in the notes oh yeah 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 of course <laughs> yeah I found um, that one interesting <laughs> mm, mm, and it was because it was so common as well and a lot of people um like I think a lot of people actually remember that therapy as well. Um, and the therapy, I, I can't remember what was the therapy that he did with Lionel. Was it that one with the um, music you said? Yeah, and I, th I guess there was a few different. You saw him do lots of um, vocal exercises. and Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, like make him listen to a big, very loud piece of music and then recite a passage. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that one, so the music, I think because music is very powerful for anything, um, mm. but a lot of the time when you stutter, people find that when you stutter and you sing, people who would sing and has a, have a stutter, they don't stutter when they sing. Um, and I think that's because like you're, there's like the two parts of the brain. So it's like the different, like the music part is different to the communication part and it like, you know, music is quite relaxing. So I think that was kind of the therapy um and I think yeah that's probably because music is so powerful so in that scene um I think it was also really interesting to see like all the different therapies that are used like the voice exercises again I think some people now still use that um therapy because it's kind of it's again it's like releasing some of that tension um and like opening up your mouth and um, creating more like flow yeah so it actually was interesting to see how it's also interesting to see how the, in, the therapy was back then and how some of it is still used today and mm. how it 
is different as well. So it's like, it's like the shift and how like over time with more research and more understanding of stuttering, how therapy has changed as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's also cool to see. Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. And, and I, a lot of, I spoke to someone who was saying when they act and they put on different voices or they, they talk at a higher range, they also don't find that they stutter. Um, so I found that was really cool as well to see that like how the different pitches of your voice can impact like yeah your communication mm-hmm. if you stutter and if you don't so yeah and I think I read that there's a commonality of when um, someone's angry or swear they don't stutter as much is that true oh <laughs> um oh I actually don't know okay. I, <laughs> that's a, actually I might have to try that <laughs> Maybe maybe um, it wasn't a very good source there. <laughs> um, I mean, probably if you get angry, you wouldn't stutter. That I mean, I kind of make sense because I think again, it's like that different. It's like you're focusing on something, so yeah, yeah. yeah you don't stutter. It's like when people are like more tired, you'll find that they stutter more um, mm. as well. So it's yeah, it's like different times of the day you might stutter or different experiences as well. Um, I think that's also just the nature of stuttering. It just can just happen, and you don't really expect it as well. Yeah, true. I thought it was interesting too that um, one of the you know previous therapists recommended smoking as a cure, um, <laughs> which for me like checks out. Um, because I think at the time smoking was a cure for everything <laughs> at one stage oh. like the so cigarettes are good for your health I think um, people actually mm. thought that oh, that's really cool <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously Lionel Logue um, stopped him from yeah. smoking Definitely good. <laughs> I always thought it was interesting too I don't know um, obviously I'm not expecting you to know everything about um, speech and communication, but um, the fact that the kings struggled to enunciate the W, like W, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was probably more of a speech disorder than the stutter or an enunciation sort of issue. Is that, can that be common with stuttering to struggle to enunciate? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where having a sister who's a speechy has helped me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, with stuttering, a lot of, like I was saying, it's the tension, but it's also like the way your tongue is. So uh, yeah. it's, um, yeah, more harder sounds. So things like D or B or P, um, a lot of the time is like a big thing that some people stutter on. Um, even words, yeah, even S's. It's like, yeah, it's the different kind of speech or the different ways in like the position of your tongue that can affect how you stutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, W is, I think, big one because it's got like the, it's like, it's the W, it's the D in uh, yeah. the thing. So again, it's like that hard sound. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that does, that does make sense that he would stutter on the W sound because I think, um and I, it's a bit of a trickier one to use yeah. your mouth, like put yeah. your mouth around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Mm. And you know, I'm a psychologist, not a speech therapist, so I don't know, <laughs> don't know <laughs> the answer to these things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Learning something. Yeah. Um. Anything else that you liked about the King's Speech, or you thought was refreshing or helpful? Yeah. I think the biggest thing was me from for me was seeing how the stutter did affect king george and Mm. seeing how a lot of the time he was very frustrated with it and i think there were scenes where he he would kind of sit alone in his in his 
I can't remember which room it was in, but mm-hmm. he was sitting somewhere and just kind of thinking about, you know, his stutter and he really had to get through these presentations and these speeches and he just, he did not want to do it. Um, mm. And, you know, beside the fact that he was the king, I think even speeches for anyone would be stressful. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think that was really refreshing to see that the stutter didn't like it, it affected him and it and they showed a really like raw um portrayal of that so that was yeah really like you said refreshing to see that they showed that in a positive way and really it really highlighted how having a stutter can affect someone's mental health and can also affect Mm -hmm. like your just kind of your everyday like experiences or situations that you could be in yeah, yeah, definitely. I really liked as well um, on that note that he had lots of therapy with Lionel and it was, mm. I think, I think I, what I really liked and I think this was the point it was trying to make is that Lionel saw him as an equal, as an equal mm. and like um, wanted all that, you know, um, that hierarchy to be removed in order to be able to do the the therapy and how that relationship was really important which I think is really a good depiction of just therapy in general like in Mm. order to make um to to progress in therapy um relationship is just probably the most important thing Mm. um which I just I really love (laughs) as as someone who um, has often done a lot of therapy um Yeah, and also the fact that um, he doesn't it, like his his stutter doesn't go away by the end of the film. Like he mm. he gets through the speech beautifully, but he you know it's not it's not a hundred percent fluency the whole way through. Yeah, that's such a good point. <laughs> yeah, and then like everyone's very proud and happy that he's portrayed the message, but it's not like it's cured. Like it's completely gone away. He's still um, it's still something that doesn't come naturally and easy to him so I thought that was really good yeah that's actually a good point that it I think this is probably one of the few stories that isn't like an overcoming story mm. um again stuttering everything everything someone has to lead to overcoming um mm. and that's like we know that that's not the case and a lot of the time people will end up stuttering for the rest of their life um so I think it's important that we see that there is like representation that shows that stuttering yes we know we may have good days so we don't stutter at all or yeah like like the king he got through a huge speech and you know like you said everyone was super proud of him but then he still went home and has a stutter so yeah um yeah, yeah that was yeah that's actually a good <laughs> good point I forgot yeah I think I think he overcomes it uh, like in some to some degree in that like he's able to carry out the duties of a king mm-hmm. um but it's not eliminated which is yeah really important yeah, and I think also he feels more comfortable and as well, um, yeah. as well. And I like and like you said as well. I think the relationship that you have with the therapist is really important because then you can feel more comfortable, whether it be for stuttering, whether it just be in general. Um, and I think for the king, you know, all of his interactions, I think have maybe not as been as positive as he would have hoped. And mm-hmm. with his previous the previous therapy he didn't achieve what he wanted to achieve so um yeah I think Lionel was a good a good uh, person that he needed to help him and yeah as you're mentioning that (laughs) the focus of therapy before Lionel was on like fixes like Mm. 
if you do this thing, you're, if you smoke or if you um, put these marbles in your mouth or whatever, it'll fix it. Like it'll go away and it makes, mm. it doesn't seem to make much sense. Like at the, That's like true. obviously they had some theories behind why they were doing those things, but like mm. clearly they didn't work. And then by actually not focusing on let's fix this right now um, mm. and over time developing a relationship and getting to know King George and I guess building his confidence really over time um that's what actually helped which I think is a good message for therapy in general of whether it's speech therapy OT or psychology is that it's a there's no quick fixes and it's a long game and the focus Mm. doesn't shouldn't necessarily be on fixing anything Exactly. I think it's more just trying to achieve what the person wants to achieve given, you know, their experience of it and how they're feeling at that time. Um, Yeah. And like you said, it shouldn't be a quick fix or it shouldn't be a fix. I think it's more how can we support you with what you need to be and what you need to be supported for, I guess. Yeah, definitely. On that note too, did you think that there were anything that was potentially harmful in the film or any sort of misconceptions or messages that could be construed from the film that maybe aren't so positive? Um, ooh, I think all in all it was a pretty positive portrayal. I'll probably have to go back and watch it again and see how like how how my ideas have changed now given um everything that's happened I did um do a bit of reading and there's been a lot written about this film from like different um stuttering organizations Mm. and even like literature reviews okay and there was a couple that was suggesting um it sort of suggests that stuttering is more of a moral failure rather than a sort of more socially constructed condition like you know because he's stuttering he's like failing as you know the person he needs to be to be the king um which I guess is a fair call but I think that was also the time that he was in (laughs) yeah absolutely but I guess the fact like obviously this is a historical you know um reimagining of something that actually happened um Mm. but one of the articles I read said that it's basically saying that fluent speech is a necessary component of being a royal or a royal performance. Yeah. Which I, I can see where that comes from because, you know, mm. it would be great to, you know, have the king, you know, stumble quite a bit and stammer quite a bit and still get his message across and that still mm. be okay or acceptable. Exactly. But I don't think they could have put that in the film because that obviously wasn't what happened and also, mm. Yeah. I can yeah, see why that's that true. <laughs> isn't what's depicted, yeah. Yeah, I guess they have to go off what, what actually happened as well. I think during that time is, you know, having a stutter. I think also made and for society to accept him as the king, he had to, I guess, speak more fluently um, mm. instead of having a king that stum- stammers or stutters. I mean, if you look at Joe Biden now, I feel like that's probably a good example of his as well. Um, mm. You know, he has a stutter, but he 
weeks a lot of the time gets put down or people don't see I mean I don't I, I mean I don't know anything about US politics mm. but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think that's probably I mean some of the comments that I've seen people I think stuttering just kind of makes more of a point that he shouldn't be in his position because he has a stutter mm. if that sort of makes sense I think that was similar to King George as well so I think it's, it's just a consistent like misconception of stuttering is people's people just don't understand that it doesn't actually affect us in the way that people think it affect thinks it affects us I think what people think affects us is what's affecting us if that makes sense (laughs) completely um, I also wondered in terms of like tropes or stereotypes Mm -hmm. I do get a little bit of inspiration porn Um, like that sort of vibe like and I did read someone who who thought this as well like Mm. we've sort of start to kind of pity the king and you know Mm. feel sort of a bit sorry for him and then by the end of it we're we're feeling inspired by him and you know it's a bit of a heartwarming like he did it sort of thing which which is you know what makes the movie great I think but also um you know for some people from that community probably many people they don't want to be seen as like an inspiration yeah uh so that I think that was a fair point to make as well yeah that's true I think that's all disability in general is yeah (laughs) us to do kind of anything that um is yeah seen as like oh wow like look at them and it's even like headlines people would say oh look at this person who stutters and see where they are now or like you know but the Mm -hmm. any sort of small experience for us even just uh, you know going to a restaurant and saying what we want to say that's enough for us to feel proud we don't need yeah. someone to pity us for doing that or be inspired that we were able to do what we wanted to do um, yeah exactly yeah and you're right like all those headlines of like oh this actor started but now look look there yeah like, <laughs> exactly why is that inspirational <laughs> yeah they're just you know doing what they have to do it's like they just happen to have a stutter and they're still able to complete what they need to complete like why do we need to make a huge big deal about it yeah yeah exactly is there any sort of last thoughts you had about the king's speech or i think all in all it was a good representation and I think like you said it had to also relate back to what actually happened so I think yeah all in all it was good um it also shows the time and how people saw stuttering so I think Mm. it's it's a good kind of going off point and uh if we can yeah expand more and create more movies like this then and you know explore more then I think we were able to create um a more inclusive society 100% agree and maybe some films with people who are actually current stutterers would be fantastic Mm, as well exactly that's a good point (laughs) awesome well on that note too are there any good resources or organizations that you would recommend to anyone who's a stutterer or or even parents of kids who they are developing a stutterer or yeah yeah is there anything that you would recommend yeah so there are some really great organizations so the first one is say australia so they do they're a huge um youth and teen organization that focuses a lot on um creating a more um supportive environment for teens um who stutter um but also for kids um like from five you know so that's a great organization and they host like workshops and they do regular zoom meetings um so yeah they're really great um there's speak easy as well that's another um australian 
organization. They're kind of similar. Both these organizations are run by a person who stutters. Um, so that just makes it even greater. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that one's really good. In America, there's um, like the NSA, the National Stuttering um, Group. There's there's also We Stutter. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's another great one. I did do a post on five of the great organizations. So that's probably one. To, Ooh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, that's a good place to probably see some of the organizations. But Awesome. I'll make sure I use that in the notes as well yeah. and share it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, even yeah, talking to a, a speech pathologist, they'll be able to hand you off hand, with you know, resources that can help parents who want to support their children as well. Fantastic. And of course, people should listen to your podcast and <laughs> access your page as well. Yes. <laughs> um, so tell us how people can reach you as well and your social media accounts. Yeah. So I've got my Instagram, which is at Starter Conversation. Um, I've got a Twitter as well, which is at Starter Converse because they wouldn't let me put my whole handle in there. So. Oh, of course not. <laughs> no. Have you started a threads too and uh, yes. to defect from Twitter <laughs> or X as it's now called? Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do have a threads as well. Um, and then yeah, the podcast as well, which is Start a Conversation the Podcast. So um that's on the yeah, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts as well. Um, I think that might be all the good all ones. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned that you have a mailing list as well? Yes, I do also have a mailing list. I recently started one, so that's probably a good way if you wanna keep up with any updates that are happening with the page or awesome. um yeah. And I wanna ask you one final question. <laughs> Because you you do so much, and I know that you also, uh, you mentioned that you help your parents with their wedding events and stuff yes. like that. Is that correct? <laughs> that is true, yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give any student who is also juggling like advocacy as you do and podcasting and just being a teenager? How do you, how do, you do it all? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I think the first thing for me is I study at home. So that's probably a, that's probably the biggest thing. That's Um, so good. Yeah. (laughs) Makes life a little bit easier. But I think it's also just for me, I think advocacy is like a good release. I'm, it's, yeah, a way for me to kind of balance how I'm feeling, but also put my energy in something that's positive. So I guess Mm. my advice would just be like, follow I guess not. It sounds like corny, but follow your heart in a way. <laughs> mm. Um, but just kind of yeah, doing what makes you happy and makes you comfortable. Um, and we all need advocacy, and especially for stuttering. So, um, education, even if it's you know talking to your friends about stuttering or even talking to teachers about stuttering, that's advocacy as well. So it doesn't mm. have to be yeah. a huge thing. Even something small is enough. So. That's um, a really good point too. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to take a lot of energy or time. It's just have, having a chat or pointing something out to someone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awareness comes in all sorts of forms. So yeah, I guess put your energy where you want to put your energy. <laughs> That's awesome advice. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I had a wonderful chat with you and I hope everybody um, listens to your fantastic podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. This is so much fun to talk about um, and something that I'm really passionate about too. So thank you.
This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.